You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise Weekly Word. This message is by Pastor James Hurd. If you would like more information about our ministry, please visit churchoflifeandpraise.com. This isn't church as usual. We come together, sit together for an hour. We've got to come to that point where when God's moving, we're just going to go where God moves. And it doesn't get over in an hour. And when God moves, we just flow with it. Praise God. And uh, <clears throat> the Bible says that, uh, um, I think it's in Matthew, said that, uh, seek and you shall find and keep on seeking. In other words, just continue to seek until it happens. Knock, and it will be open to you. And he that keeps on knocking is going to be open to you. Now, these really, like this here, isn't really times of a boring time that you have to wait and endure it. What you should be doing, okay, those that are waiting should be praying and seeking God and getting our minds on God. Because you may have a need. Uh, this, uh, My wife is, is being... Um, um, selected and, and, and uh, you know ministered to but you may have a need so this is the time in the spirit of need to be waiting on the Lord and this is part of that intimate time that I've been talking about amen and so you can be coming in agreement with those that are ministering I mean we all don't have to be over there you know praying but what we can do is be sitting here praying and waiting on God seeking a face. And you know what could very well happen? While you are waiting on God for her, God could be ministering to you and bring deliverance to you. And, and this is, this, you see, all this is linking together, saints. And uh, when God said that he's preparing a foundation here in the church, I believe he is. He's preparing a people that can get a hold of God and what we were doing right now is we were getting a hold of God. The spirit of healing was in the place. Yeah. And instead of wondering, well, when are they going to get over? Why don't you just bow your head and begin to stop praying and saying, God, and, and, and begin to get into the spirit of intercession. And, and when you, we all come together in agreement, okay, then God is going to, uh, uh, is going to move and uh, give us what we've asked for. I'm just going to, I want to bring out a verse to you. We're still talking about intimate relationship with God. And I want to say this. I believe the anointing that we are feeling, the fact that this young man uh, that Russ uh, spoke about, it was all, it was an impossibility, actually. I mean, he had no connection with church whatsoever. His family is not religious. His family has nothing to do as far as, as, as a God factor. And here God is out of the blue because the church interceded, okay, and prayed. Out of the blue, a man walks up to this man that doesn't even, this kid that doesn't even know, you know, and, and, he, and he feels, I mean, he, and, he see, and it appears to be that this boy is an outcast, like, you know, he's not really uh, socially, um, um, uh, yeah, okay? 
And so um, God sends a man, it might have been an angel, I don't know, up to this young boy, and then what he says is, well, uh, uncle, is he your uncle? Uh, uh, nephew, grandson, uh, grandpa, uh, I'm going to give it a try. Now I prayed, see, I'm here, I was a part of him out there, but when I heard this testimony, then when, when he said that, I made a prayer, and this is what, see, you can do by being here, praying, okay, when someone else is being prayed for, you can make a prayer, and I made a prayer, God, let him find a, a companion, uh, a friend, let a young man or, or someone or a young lady go to him, okay, and mentor him. He's going to college, right? And mentor him. Come alongside of him and mentor him in the things of the gospel. And this is where we are. You know, um, we're going to find in the coming years, church is not going to be, those who really want God, church, coming to church is not going to be the same. We're not going to necessarily, we may be, have pews and all that, so I'm sitting in the pews, but the Spirit of God is going to move and wreck a service. You know what I mean by that? I mean, the Spirit of God is going to move, and service is not going to be the same. Church is not going to be the same. If you want, a, if you, if you want a, a, a church that's, uh, you know, governed by time, then uh, COP isn't, isn't your church. I'm serious. Amen? But if you really want God, if we really want God, time, and we've got to come to that point, saints, that time on Sunday is not, it is not governed by us. It's governed by God. Amen? And that's where God, God wants us. See, we're his bride. And he wants us to spend some time with him. That's where the intimacy comes in. That's where we begin to get and seek the face of getting intimate. You say, I'm so busy, we'll change it. I'm serious. Because what things we get here on earth is going to go anyway. And if we don't get all the best and all the stuff in, in order and everything else, I'm not saying being lazy about your chores and about doing things, but you know, if you want to get with God, God will get with you and provide time so that you can get with him. Well, thanks for your enthusiasm. See, um, too often people in the church have only a second-hand knowledge of God. And understanding of God. Uh, that is, they receive their knowledge from another source. Now, are they backslidden? Are they not uh, saved? Oh, yeah. They love the Lord. They come to church. But they either hear it from the pulpit and they receive their knowledge and revelation of God from someone else, not from a personal intimacy with God. That means of getting alone with Him. We hear it from the pulpit. We have a word from someone, thus says the Lord. We're prayed for. 
but we don't really have a relationship with God. Or we're saved, we love God, we're not out doing bad things, but we don't know Him. We think we do because we heard a good message. And then what happens to us is we become picky. Well, pastor's preaching on such and such. I'm not going to bother them. I'm going to stay home. I got something else to do. So, and I don't I particularly like what he pre- is preaching on today. So, I'm not gonna, I mean, I'm, and and then others are very are very sincere and earnest. I believe everybody here is sincere and earnest. But you get from God only what you hear from the pastor's mouth or from a word from God. God wants more of you than that. And God wants to reveal himself in a greater way than that. You can have daily communion with God. God can be talking to you, riding in the car. But there has to, we have to take a time to be with God. This generation and our people in our country are so caught up in things. We have some, I mean, everywhere I go, I see someone on the phone, on the phone, always on the phone, always on the phone, or have got these things on, and always, always getting outside, you know, but they haven't really got a time to be with God. I'm talking about a time where we long to be in the presence of God. Amen. That's a good word. We've got to abide with him. That's very good. I'm glad you said that. You see, God wants us to have a first-hand revelation of his person. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants you to come into a place where you know his voice and you can trust him. A lot of times we don't abide with him because we don't spend time with him and we don't trust him. Is this hard? It's truth. See, God wants us to have a personal relationship with him and want to know him for ourselves. In order to, and in fact, so that therefore, to know him is to trust him and to love him. In other words, he wants you to come to the point, now he trusts you. He wants you and I to come to the point where nothing will move us from him. All hell can break loose around us and because we have been in the presence of God and we spend time with him, God will keep us and we will trust him. It's like the boy that's caught up in a tree. Can't get down. 
and his father is there under the tree saying, "Up, Johnny, jump. Just jump. Because he knows if that boy tries to climb down, he's going to slip and he, a limb or something and he's going to fall and break a bone. But that, uh, that father is standing there and saying, Johnny, jump. Jump. Just let go and just jump. And Johnny stands up, but he knows that's his father. He's been with his father. He's seen his father help him before. They've had times to talk together, laugh together, have a good, have good friendship together. And finally, Johnny looks all around, and then he looks at his father. And his father is looking up there like that. And his father said, I'll catch you. And finally, Johnny lets go of everything and just jumps. And that kid comes down and his father grabs him and holds him to himself and holds him. That's just like our father. You ever get in a place and God just says, jump? If you've been spending time with him, you can trust him. Spending time is getting into his word and reading his word. It takes time. But I'm going to tell you the rewards are tremendous. And let me tell you something. The nearness that we, to God that we talk about has to do with a rich person-to-person, one-on-one, and soul-to-soul relationship. I can trust him. Not if I'm good. God does not say if you're good, if, you, if, you've, uh, if you've memorized 25 scriptures. Or, or, no, he says if you spend time with me and t- prayer is talking to God. It's not going on a spiel. Like sitting down with someone, I sit down with Charlie and I look at her and she looks at me and we look at one together and it's one-on-one relationship. She talks to me, I talk to her, and we have what we call a conversation. That's prayer. You can have conversation daily with God. Every someone says, well, I don't have time to pray. Yes, you do. You got 24 hours a day. You can talk with him all day long, even when you're working. You can be talking to God. But then there has to be that special time. You heard me tell the story about my wife and I going and being invited to go to a house to have dinner, etc. And they came, we came in and on invitation, they took our coats and everything else, set us in the front room and we never saw them until supper time. And I thought, I told Bob after I left, I won't come back. Oh, yeah, we ate. But we didn't have fellowship. And there was, and, there, and they felt like they were doing it out of, um, you know, pardon? Yes. But then I've been to other places, dishes on the sink, and the wife is working in the kitchen. She brings us right out in the kitchen, sets us down. We sit there, can I do anything? No. And then while we're doing and we're talking, she said, oh, could you put that dish over there and we'll take the dish and put it over here? Oh, could you move that chair over here? 
we felt like we, we would feel like you're wanted. You're included. I'm telling you, if you come to our house, that's the way it's going to be. Everybody goes to work. Amen? But we have a great time. And we let our company know we enjoy them. And that's what you've got to do with God. You've got to let God know. God, and I'm going to say it again, God has feelings. Do you know why God made us? Anybody know? Fellowship. God didn't make us to give us a set of rules. How to dress, how to walk, how to talk. How to, I, mean, I mean, all that's there. But all of that, you know what's all, you know how, how to dress and how to walk and how to talk, all going to come out from our relationship with God and our love for him? You don't have to be afraid of God. God's not afraid of you. And you've got to understand another thing, as, as Acts 17, 27 says, he's not a, 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 he's not a God, he's not far off from each one of us. He's with you constantly. And then another factor is, if you want to have success in life, Understand that in him we live and we function and have our being. 28th verse. Outside of Christ, humanity is dead. The Bible talks about dead while you live. Oh, you may have physical life, but spiritually you're dead. And, and if you don't have spiritual life, you, you, what's it good to have a physical life? Then you try all the artificial stuff. You try liquor, drugs, sex, and all that stuff, trying to, trying to um, fulfill that desire that God put in you to have fellowship with him. You know what all this stuff and what we call sin is? All it is is man trying to have relationship and trying to find a relationship, trying to find themselves. So sometimes they'll give themselves to work and become a workaholic thinking that's going to satisfy. Or they'll, they'll go to the bottle. Or they'll get into drugs. Or they'll get into some kind of a social thing. And finding out that it doesn't satisfy. But I'm going to tell you something. When you feel distressed and you feel down and you feel tired, you feel angry, you, feel, you just shut yourself in with God. Shut in with God in a secret place. There in the Spirit, beholding His face. Gaining new power to run in life's race. Oh, I long to be shut in with God. He knows you and he loves you in spite of yourself. You see, we think, we, we, have, a, we have a thing that we think that God is way up there and, you know, and he's looking down on us and we've got to appease him. Now, that, that, that's, that's a... Uh, 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 idol worship. Those who, who don't know God and, and make idols and all that, all that is is just that trying to appease a, a God that they don't, don't know. So they make a God. And then they make a set of rules. Christianity is not a set of rules. 
Christianity is a relationship out of love. A love relationship. And you want to... Now, why are we seeing things happen in this church? Went on on TV, went on a big, big uh, operation. And I'm not against big churches and everything else. So don't go out there and say, Pastor doesn't like big churches. That's not true. Uh, the bigger our church is, the better we like it, or I like it. But anyway, that's got nothing to do with it. That's got nothing to do with our Christian walk. Going out and winning all kinds of souls is good, but if you don't have a relationship with God, how can you mentor them? If you don't have a move of the Spirit in your church, And I'm not against bigness. And I'm not saying the, those, the churches that have big, big congregations are bad. They're not. Just depends on the population of where you are. And our area has to be a heart of an area. We're the Nazareth of our country. Those of you that know your Bible know what I'm talking about. But God has put us here. And we can look at the negative if we want to, but also we got to look at the positive to realize because CLP exists, many people have come to the Lord and know God. They're not all here sitting in the pew. But anyway, I wouldn't want them all here sitting in the pew. I want to see some of them out working for God. You know what we saw right here today? You know what this is? This is people who have been spending time with God and are being operating in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to see my body well and whole that I pastor working and moving. Some on the stage singing and, and, and waiting on the mind of the Lord while people are down here ministering. Someone over here ministering, over there ministering, touching. That's what you, I mean, the church, when you come to church, it shouldn't be just a dead sentence. There should be motion all the time. Someone going over here praying for this one. Someone over here praying for this one. Someone over there praying for this one. Amen? You say, well, that's confusion. No, it isn't. That's like a beehive or an anthill. Everybody's got their place and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And God is moving. God is our source of life physically and spiritually. Everybody say that. God is, God is our, source our source of life physically and spiritually. Okay, you can stop. He is our source of purpose in the world. Do you understand what I just said? You present to the world the purpose for living. And he, because he is our purpose, we are the purpose and presenting the purpose to the world. He's the purpose of, live, of, of their living. People don't have a purpose today. Kids are going to college. Why? And I'm not against college. Kids are striving, but they're empty. 
This generation is an empty generation because we have not presented the gospel in a place where we can point them to having a personal relationship. They don't have relationships. Kids don't know how to talk today. And I'm not condemning them. It's not their fault. It's our fault. Don't blame those this generation. This generation is just, just a product of what we've given them. We've taken God out of school, prayer out of school, church is a, a myth, uh, uh, God, there is no God. I mean, by the time the kid is a kindergartner and on up through, he's given no hope. So in order to exist, he has to work. So he'll figure, well, I'll go to college and get a degree. I'll probably get more money. So he has no purpose. So he's miserable. He's rude. He don't have time for you. The older, older people are in the way because some kids resent it because of what they have presented to them. They got a household that's a mess. But I'm going to tell you a people that will come together as Christians and put God first in their life and begin to allow Jesus Christ to be the center of their lives will do exploits. See, the devil keeps the church separated. We fight over this. We fight over that. The church, the, the, well, I'm not saying Christendom. Christendom is the most bunch of fighting, fightingest people I've ever seen. Walk in a restaurant, you can't, they won't, we won't, can't, won't, won't speak together. Both are professed, just come from church, and we both present, pr pr profess Jesus, and we walk by him because you're going to that church. <laughs> Crazy. And then we talk about this one, we talk about, where's the time? All the time we're spending talking about one another, we should be on our knees before God, praying for the lost, God, lost world. Is this making sense? But I'm telling you, when you take time to be with God, he takes time to be with you. And he gives the best of himself. He opens himself up and says, this is what I've got for you. I've got love, I've got joy, I've got peace, I've got instruction, I've got wisdom, I've got understanding. And I'll give you that understanding and I'll teach you and I'll train you how to do it while you're sitting in the spirit. I'll open up the word to you so you can see it. You know, this Bible is not a closed book, but it's closed to us because we never get into it. But I'm telling you, when you get into the word of God, it is alive. It is quick and powerful. Just like I said this morning, as I was praying, God gave me a scripture and I went to it. And in my study Bible, it had little things here and little A's and B's here. And all of a sudden, I'm going through the scriptures this morning. And I'm thinking, I found a well of water to drink even before I got to church. It was wonderful. It inspired me. I actually got excited. Oh, we got to go to church today. If that's your attitude, you haven't been spending time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't have to. You get to go to church. 
And if you let the Spirit of God move, and, and, and if the, the hierarchy of the church will let the Spirit of God move in the church, then, 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 then that's a one-on-one. I mean, a, 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 pardon? Now, yeah, win-win, that's what I meant. A win-win situation. That's one-on-one too. <laughs> Let's go to Psalm 91, and I'm going to end with this. This is beautiful. Psalm 91. Now turn there and I'm going to read it and then talk about it. You say, oh Lord, we'll be here all day. Well, you might as well enjoy the rest of the day. You've been here half the day now. <laughs> and I'm not talking and saying that because we, you have a long service, that's wonderful. That's not the purpose. The purpose you have a long service, you don't intend to, but you do because you wait on God and you move when God moves and God's not in a hurry. My God, can't we give him one day? Now, I'm not talking about you, just you. I'm talking about the the whole Christendom. Hurry up, God. I've got things to do. I've got to be out of church at 12 o'clock. 11 o'clock would be better. And we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday that we do our own thing. And we give God one day, well, not really, we give God one hour and then we wonder why we're miserable, why we feel alone, why we feel uh, uptight, why we feel agitated. Because all the business around you has consumed you. And it's left you empty. Leave that world and walk into the presence of God and find out where reality really is and find out what life is all about. You find the peace that passeth all understanding. Look at what it says here. He who dwells, this is God's invitation, in the secret place, I'm speaking of an intimate location where we can encounter God continuously, daily. I need a daily encounter with God. You know, if you really get practicing this, you will feel awful if you can't have that time with God. It will feel empty all day long. Shall abide, listen to this. He who dwells in the secret place into that, get, gets into that intimate location, have that specific time where I get with God, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What's that talking about? Shall dwell in God's protect, listen to this now, in your intimate time when you get into His presence, then God will guarantee you His Uh, God's protective care. You'll dwell in it. When you leave that time of of intimacy, that that alone time with God, and you walk out in the world, you'll feel his presence with you all day long. Every encounter that you have will be overcome and will be in reference to the presence of God and you will I mean and you will be able to handle it in reference to the presence of God that you just left. 
and his presence will go with you. Lo, I am with you always. You'll dwell in God's protective care, shelter, refuge, symbolizing God's loving presence that keeps us safe. I'm kept by the power of God. You haven't got to keep yourself. You, God keeps you. You facing a problem, you just say, Jesus, help me, and he'll be there. I need wisdom, and he'll give you wisdom. Matthew Henry's commentary says this, all those who live life, a life of communion with God, are constantly safe under his protection. The three boys going down to Florida on the highway. Alec didn't realize, didn't mean to do it, but he pulled the emergency brake and forgot to take it off. Rode 40 minutes to 50 minutes with the emergency brake on. The driver went to put the brakes on. There was no brakes going down the highway 70, 75 miles an hour. What does that automatically say that's going to happen? You got no brakes how you're stopping the car and cars are going all around you. But you know what? God got him to the side of the road. There was just enough tension in that emergency brake that they had just messed up to get him to the side of the road. Now you tell me that God's protection wasn't there. His three young men and I love my grandchildren, but three young men, you know, I was standing there watching, and I'm watching one of my young men, my uh, grandsons, operating in the gifts of the Spirit at 15 years old. Another one on their knees, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Another one in college, preparing for the ministry, do you think the devil liked that? He had three of them in the car, and he said, I'll fix it. They got the money to go, all of that. I'll put the kibosh on this. The devil says, I mean, the Lord says, go ahead, mess up the brakes. I've got a guardian angel. I'm going to put right in the middle of it. And I'm not just building up my boys, but I got a right to because I'm the grandfather. <laughs> you know of your, your kids the same way how God has protected them. This, saints, this is the best life you can live. The best life in you. Even when, when they, you say, well, why has God allowed this? You got to understand they're living in a sinful world. And the devil is going to try to snuff you out, try to snuff your kids out, try to destroy everything you've got. He'll do everything he can. We've got a couple sitting back in, back in the back of the church. The devil's been fighting them 101. He's given everything he's got to destroy them. And today we had his wife singing in the spirit. Are they out of the woods yet? No, but they're going to be. How many of you sitting right here, sitting right here, 
have had that same experience with God. Time and time again, you've seen where God has answered prayer for you when it seemed like there was no way out, when there was nothing. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm going to tell you something. Out of gratitude, I would want to spend some time with him. Make time for Jesus. How am I doing? I want to repeat this. It says, he who dwells. <coughs> this is what I like. Sits down and abides. He who dwells sits down. That means... When I go over and I sit down, I'd sit side of you, Ray, but I can't because she's in the way. Um, <clears throat> but sits down, that's all right. But sits down. You know, what that, you know what that means when you go and you sit down? It means I want to converse with you. I want to talk with you. But if I stand here and I'm saying, oh, you know, and, and, and I talk like this and keep going, you're thinking, well, why don't you just go along and leave me alone because you don't really want to talk with me. But when you... He who dwells sits down and abides in the secret place of the Most High, the alone time, the tent of meeting time. Remember Moses in his tent of meeting. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Shall be covered with the cloud of God's glory. What am I talking about? His weightiness. His you know God's glory has weight to it? Have you, have you ever felt, been in the presence of God so much that you just felt just the weight? You felt, my land, I can't stand anymore. I mean, you know, you just felt a weight. That's why people sometimes go over or go fall over because they can't stand the weight. I mean, the weight is so strong, they, they can't stand up. It's not being fanatical. It's, it's worship. Oh, my God. Those that don't allow the Spirit to move among them don't know what they're missing. Why do we always want to control, control, control? Just let the spirit move. So if someone gets a little outside, out of order, they're just rejoicing in the spirit, God will take care of them. He'll slay them out, lay them on the floor for a while to quiet them down or whatever. He'll take care of them. We quench the spirit because we don't want the people that really don't fully understand what's going on to, to make an embarrassment of us. Because we've got visitors. That's what the visitors come. Don't you think that talk don't go around the city about CLP when you go to that church, you're going to stay all day, and they just they jump and holler and shout and yell? They know who we are. And they call that disorder. That's not this. You know, you've heard me say it before. You can be very disorderly by sitting there just looking at me while I'm preaching and you're thinking about everybody else. I hope the roast don't burn. Oh, I just wish it'd get done because he's so long-winded. Well, moving right along. We're covered with the glory, the splendor, the magnificent power, authority that's in the Hebrew kabod, which results in the protection of the Almighty or the El Shaddai, and that means the mighty, listen to this now, 
We're under the protection of the Almighty, the mighty, unconquerable. Everybody say unconquerable. All sufficient. Say all sufficient. Eternally capable of being all that his people need. I want to say that again. We are under the protection of the almighty, unconquerable, all-sufficient God, eternally capable of being all that his people need. Do you understand who you're serving? And do you understand who's serving you? There's a place in the Bible that says, when we get to heaven, God's going to sit down and serve us. Wow. 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 That's powerful. We're expecting to go to heaven and, and always bowing before God. And we're going to start bowing one of these days and God's going to say, okay, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I want everyone to sit down. He puts on his apron, put on his uh, uh, thing over his shoulder, puts on his apron. He says, now I'm going to serve you. He's so glad to see you that he's going to serve you. That's awesome. We think we've, we've got to be cowering to God all the time. No, 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 no. God says, I want to fellowship with you. Isn't that what Jesus did? What did Jesus do at the Last Supper? He served them. And then he got up from the table, which the servants are supposed to do. After you get through eating, or when you come in and gather at the table, out in the dusty roads, sandals, dirt, rocks, everything else, the servants are supposed to come in, not the head of the table. Jesus gets up from being at the head of the table and goes to every one of the 12 disciples and washes their feet. He took the place of a servant. And there are times when God takes the place of the servant and says, what do you need me to do? My God, why wouldn't I want to get alone with him? <coughs> and he's very patient and he listens to all my problems, whether they're legitimate or not. And he answers them. That's what prayer is about. What a privileged people. We came here today. God was already here waiting for us. He let us go through our preliminaries, all of those ungodly announcements. Nobody likes them, but we have to have them. Because then you'd be bothering the staff half the time. What were we supposed to do today? What, and they'd be worn out by telephone calls. And some of you wouldn't even bother. Well, I'm not getting there. Get out of there. <laughs> Get behind me, devil. Amen. <laughs> Do you understand who you are? And you think you're going through hardships and trials and tests, and you do, and they are sore, and they are legitimate, and there are some times when you have to look up to see bottom, 
but I'm going to tell you something else. The God that I'm talking about is sitting there with you, looking up and looking at the bottom. He's not letting you sit there by yourself. And you find that out in the intimate place. And all it is is coming to God and getting alone with God for an hour or two hours, if you can make it, before you go to bed at night. God will provide a time for you if you want it. And he'll make a way. Because he wants to get with you. Because he's got things he has to tell you every single day. So under the New Testament covenant, all believers, everybody say all believers, all believers. in Christ Jesus have the boldness to enter into the holiest God's very presence, God's glory through the covering of the blood of Jesus anytime, any place, anywhere. What a privilege. So I'm going to read this, Hebrews 10, and then we're going to end. And so I haven't closed my Bible yet. My wife told me, Jim, don't close the Bible and keep on talking. They said, when you, she says, when you close the Bible, that means, that means you're done. So I don't close my Bible now. <laughs> Amen. Here it is. Hebrews 10, 19, 22. 19 and 22. I'm reading it out of the NLT. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly with confident assurance into heaven's most holy place, God's presence, because of the blood of Jesus. That's the new covenant. 22. Let us go right into the, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully told. We don't have to do all kind of obligations. I mean, we just go into the presence of God. God, I need you. There's a story that, that says that uh, President Kennedy, when he was in the White House, the, the two children, he'd be in there with, with dignitaries, be in the Oval Office. And all of a sudden, the door would come banging open, and in would come uh, the little boy. What was his name? Who? John. Little John, and I don't know what the girl's name was, Carolyn. Okay, come in, and had, had big dignitaries. And President Kennedy did not say, okay, boys, oh, boys and girls, okay, go on out because I've got someone here. He stopped. He'd say, these are my children. And he'd take them up in his lap behind the desk and talk to them, and the dignitary is sitting there. That's Jesus. Amen? Because of the blood of Jesus. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies, be, and, and our bodies uh, have been washed with pure water. That's the water, washing of the water of the Word, or it could also be uh, water baptism. We've been cleansed, purified by the blood of Jesus, so we have full access to his very presence. Amen? Awesome. We can go into his very presence, very presence. 
The, do you understand the power of the blood? That's another message. I'm going to teach on that, on the power of the blood. Wow. The blood has made us pure. When God looks at us with all our faults and failures, he looks through the blood. The efficacy of the power of the blood cleanses us and presents us holy and righteous before God. Dear, yeah, I say that too, amen. I don't mean to be facetious about that. Thank you, Jesus. Because sometimes I don't feel too good. And perhaps don't even look too good. I don't mean physical appearance. Find an intimate place. Find that place with God. And watch your life turn around and watch it change. Amen. This has been a beautiful service today.